want to greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here with you again and uh, to be gathered as a, say, normal group. But it's good to be home, I guess. And uh, beginning of a new year and uh, to look forward to what the Lord has for us. Not only in this message this morning, but what he has for us in the days to come. Oftentimes, uh, at least in the last few years, I've had a message that uh, challenged you to, uh, oh, different things. You probably might remember them better than I do, but to write things down that you'd like to do the coming year, something that you'd like to uh, become, faith right verse and uh, different things. I uh, didn't do that in December. I didn't necessarily do that this morning. But let me say I was blessed with the uh, <clears throat> your reception of the little blue books. I should have brought one with me. And uh, you're wanting to use them. Lest some of you feel self-conscious about using them here in the service, don't. Remember the title of the message when we talked about those? Confirm your brother. So if you use those here in the church, it's actually an encouragement that you want to remember what uh, what uh, is sung and taught and preached and shared, and uh, that you uh, are taking the making the effort of writing them down. So you children that need to do it for school, Lord bless you. Don't just do it every other Sunday, but do it every Sunday if that's what your teacher requires. And uh, so help us older ones to remember what is taught and what is uh, preached. And uh, may the Lord bless you for that. So don't feel self-conscious about that, but it's actually a compliment to those that have part in the service. Uh, ordered a few extra ones. I see there's a few out in the box yet. If you didn't write your name down to order on, there's one out there. Uh, help yourself. And uh, if there are all and you'd still like to have one, let me know. I can get more. And uh, so may that be uh, part of a challenge this coming year to uh, be able to remember what the Lord shares and, and says to us. And... Uh, <clears throat> that we don't forget. I personally believe that the Lord's um, inspiration isn't just momentary, but when He inspires us, we should also remember that. In fact, that's what He wrote down in the Bible for us. He inspired those men to write by the Spirit so that we have it today. And so uh, what you write down, might it inspire you later. And uh, much of what I know is only because of what I read and learn from what others have written down. And we'll look at that just a little bit later here uh, in the message. I was also curious, I think it was two years ago, we talked about uh, reading the Bible through in the year. I'm just curious, how many read your Bible through in the last year? Okay, Lord bless you for that. That's not necessarily a sign of spirituality. But it is definitely a time, a sign of dedicated to reading the Bible. And uh, may the Lord bless you in that. And uh, the Lord leads you to do that in this coming year. Um, it's definitely a, uh, a challenge, but it's also uh, a great blessing. 
as I've shared in the past, that it was probably close to eight or ten years doing it every year before I actually became come to the point where I appreciated it and enjoy it. And so uh, um, <clears throat> may the Lord bless you in your personal Bible study where you are at and how you read the Bible as well. Not that that's that great a thing, but uh, I remember our good friend Emma Swartz. It was just knowing that she read her Bible through every year. And uh, her smile still radiates in my memory. I don't know how much I've mentioned it, but for quite some time, and I can't tell you how long, I've been challenged to uh, preach about the minor prophets. And uh, the minor prophets, the, the name minor actually originated as far back as the 4th century, which would have been the 400s. And uh, does anybody know why they're called the minor prophets? Does anybody know how many minor prophet books there are in the Bible? Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Twelve. Jews often call them the book of the twelve. And... uh, the reason they are called minor is because they are shorter than the majors. Very simple. They didn't write as long a uh, book as what, you know, like Jeremiah and Isaiah and uh, even Daniel is considered one of the major prophets, and then Hosea is the next one. As I studied the minor prophets and looked um, at their at them, Probably the curiosity or my my interest in it is just because we don't talk about them very much. Once in a while we'll pick out a verse, and there's some verses in there in the Minor Prophets that uh, are very interesting, and uh, hopefully we'll come to that. And uh, my thought was that we would uh, look at the Minor Prophets one book at a time, and I trust that we will still do that, at least that's my goal. And... uh, I would like for you to participate in that in two ways. And uh, I'll try and let you know whether we announce it uh, on a Sunday morning or write it on the board um, on our preaching schedule and whether I'll continue each book as it comes. But uh, uh, you'll know each one will be the next one. So I guess the two things that I would like for your participation in, if, if you can, I'm not requiring it, but to read the book. They're not very long. To read the book. And then secondly, if you have any questions or comments, something that, that, um, that you, you wonder about in that book, write it down. Give it to me. Stimulate. Try to make me think. And if there's something that really meant something to you, do that as well. And so beforehand, you can participate in this study by doing that. Now, The thing that I would like to do, and I think the one thing that we don't study the minor prophets very often, is that sometimes it's kind of vague. You know, what was he really talking about? What was he saying? And so my goal is, at the end of each message, to have something that we can take with us. Something that we can take with us. And at the end of the message today, I have a a theme verse Verses that uh, we can take with us that we want to go through as we use this series. And uh, <clears throat> when we think of 12 prophets, we think of 12 Sundays, you know, this might take us most of this year. 
Does the Lord inject a different message in between some of these? I guess we'll see. Um, But my surprise came as I studied these prophets and I considered, do I study them in, uh, in chronological order, how they happened in time, or do I study them as they are in the Bible? And uh, I've come to the conclusion to actually study them as they are in the Bible. And uh, that is very closely to chronological order, actually. Um, but uh, we won't necessarily meditate on that this morning. But the, my surprise came to me as I started studying these things. And uh, I often looked at the minor prophets as something that was just kind of put in there. These were just men that you know wrote down their thoughts and uh, it was something that isn't really as significant as like Romans, like we're studying. But I was in for a surprise. And as you have noticed in the past, as I begin a series, that often I need a message to introduce the series first. So that's what's happening this morning. And uh, I came to a, a finding something about the prophets that I hope challenges you as well. As I said, I had the idea that the minor prophets were something that just kind of got put in because they fit back in there, in the, in the last part of the Old Testament. It was like the feeling that here, let's just put these in here, yet they fit in here. And that's where I found my surprise. And I guess I want to share that with you this morning. And I've titled the message this morning, The Minor Prophets. And just to give you a little bit of an idea of where we're going, I want to show you that God instituted in Scripture the ministry of these prophets. Okay? Keep that in the back of your mind. And if you're keeping notes, boys or girls... Put down that God instituted the ministry of the prophets. Like I said, I used to have the opinion that it was just kind of something that they put back in there because, you know, it, it, the Old Testament needed to have 39 books and so they put them there. And it's not. They are there by design, by God's design. And so we'd like to look at, and I've, I've titled it, The Origin of the Prophetic Office. Did you really think about, where did the origin of the prophetic office start? Where did prophets start? You know, we go back to the New Testament, <clears throat> and we'll look at where the deacon's office is, and we'll look at the ministers and the bishop and different things. And actually, I'll read this. It says, originated in God's purpose for Israel as a nation in whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. Now, getting just ahead of myself a little bit, turn to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19 is just before chapter 20. What's chapter 20 of Exodus? Ten Commandments. So God is talking to Moses in chapter 19, and he says in verse 5, he says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant... Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and unholy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So God is talking to Moses, and he's telling them who the children of Israel are. Now this kind of fits in with our Sunday school lesson. And these Jews definitely ran away with this. But in verse 5 it says, Ye shall be a peculiar treasure. Now the whole earth is his, as he goes on to say, but he says you're going to be special. You're going to be the diamonds, you're going to be the gold, you're going to be the the platinum and the silver, the precious things of the earth. 
And then in verse 6, he says, and you're going to be kingdoms of priests and a holy nation. I want you to draw out. I want you to be special. I want you to stand out as the people that serve God. God is telling Moses that before the Ten Commandments. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I want you to think of the book of Deuteronomy as Moses' last address to the children of Israel before he dies, which I believe the book of Deuteronomy was given as a message just shortly, just in a setting of a day or two, or maybe one day, and was written down. And so here we have God telling them, you're going to be my possession, you're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, if they are obedient. Okay, remember that, if they are obedient. Okay, now we come to Deuteronomy chapter 4. They've gone through the wilderness for 40 years, and and Moses is giving them his last words. In verse 6 it says, Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. So he's saying these commandments that you were given to obey them is wisdom and is understanding. Obedience is wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations which shall bear, shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? So we have here that it's your wisdom and understanding, and the nations are going to say, this is a great nation. And we saw that happen. We see that happen. When you think of the kingdom of David, and then of Solomon, one of the greatest kingdoms on earth, when they served God, when they were obedient, when they had the majestic temple, Queen of Sheba came from a long distance to see him. So we see this happen. It climaxed. It was there in the kingdoms of David and Solomon. The nation said, is there so great who is, for what nation is there so great who hath God nigh unto them? They were the greatest nation, the most beautiful nation. They were admired. They were loved. Queen of Sheba said to Solomon, he says, how is it that all your servants enjoy serving you? And so we see that this happened while they were obedient. You know, this couldn't have happened if they would have followed the gods of the Canaanites. If they would have followed and done what the Canaanites did. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And these people back here, these Israelites, had the same desires that we did, that we do. And that is that we would like to know the future. We would like to know what is in the future. And in the last uh, week or two going past psychic reader buildings, and, and you know we know where some of those places are, and we just drive past them. In fact, you know... Even in our area here, I know where there's one where you could go to have your your uh, your tarot card or your palm read or whatever. And all of that is done, and most of witchcraft is done in two senses. One in sense of healing, but the other sense is in trying to know the future. And the Canaanites 
The way they wanted to know the future was through these witches, through all sorts of things. So we come to Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we come to verse 9, and it says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of the nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination. Now, daughter, son, or daughter through the fire was to appease the gods so that you have a good harvest, so you have a good planting, etc. Or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. So the Canaanites wanted to know the future, they went to the witch. Saul wanted to know the future, he went to the witch. And so these nations kept these evil practices because they wanted to know the future. Verse 13 says, Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. You aren't supposed to go to these witches and places to learn, determine the future. You're going to be a blessed people, remember? You're going to be a kingdom of kings and priests. How was then God's will to be known? How was God's will then to be known? Even um, in, 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 in interesting to study this, that even in Psalms he talk, talks about this. In Psalms, don't turn to this, I'll read it. Psalm 74 and this verse never really meant that much to me till I come to this context. But in Psalm 74, verse 9, we see not our signs. There is no more any prophet, neither is there any among us, any that knoweth how long. So even in Psalms we read, O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? So there we're bemoaning that there wasn't a prophet. Now if we actually look at Verse 15, it says, The Lord thy God, Moses is talking to the children of Israel, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet, capital P, from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Who was he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. He will raise a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him thou shalt hearken, unto God, all thou hast desired... According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. Now remember after the Ten Commandments, which was after the first reading that we had, they said, Now wait a minute, I don't want God to speak to us like he did in person. That's just too much. And God said, okay, I won't do that anymore. And so here he comes to the point where he describes how he's going to do it. Okay, you saw the first way, through Jesus. Okay, prophecy of the Messiah. No, I'm not going to talk to you personally like I gave you the Ten Commandments. I'll give you Jesus. I'll give you a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him you shall hearken. You're supposed to hearken. You're supposed to listen to Jesus. I'll jump ahead a little bit a little bit and ask you the question. What did the prophets often talk about? 
Jesus, the coming Messiah, the prophets, the prophecies that came true. What else was he going to do? Look at verse 17, verse 18. And I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. And will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the words which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass... That is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. So the trial of a prophet is if what he says comes to pass, believe him. If it doesn't, don't believe him. Now, verse 18 might be just a little bit controversial, but how does verse 18 differ from verse 15? I will raise them up a prophet, verse 18, from among their brethren like unto thee, and he will put my words in his mouth. Verse 15, and I will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. What's the difference? Like unto me and like unto thee. Now I would like to take those two apart. I know your Bible and my Bible don't. Verse 18 comes as a is is as a messianic prophecy that may be correct i'm not going to put that down but this morning for the sake of what i see happening in the minor prophets i would like to see verse 15 as a prophecy of jesus and i would like to look at verse 8 because it says god is talking to him he says like unto me he's talking about god but in verse 18 he says like unto thee like you moses I will raise them up a prophet from among thee. Because he's talking about other prophets. Because at the end he says, if there's a prophet that comes, not a Jesus, but if there's a prophet that comes that doesn't say something that comes to pass, don't believe him. Or that says something that doesn't come to pass. So I would like to say this morning that verse 18 is saying there's going to be other prophets that come. Like unto you, Moses, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And that's how you're going to know the future. That's how you're going to know the future. Now, the basis for verse 15 is in John 7. And there again, listen to these verses. In, in verse 15, the prophecy of Jesus in John seven sixteen, these are the actual words of Jesus. And it makes sense. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Because of this prophecy, I'm going to put my words in his mouth, God said. In John 12, verse 49, just another case, and we have more. Jesus again said, very similarly, where he said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment which I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father saith unto me, so I speak. And it spites me now that I didn't write down also references for verse 18. Isaiah said, wasn't it Isaiah that his hand came down with a hot coal and touched his lips and he said, speak. And the prophet spoke, 
And we'll see that later on because God put the words in their mouth. So I personally believe that here, Moses told the people, Jesus is coming and there's prophets coming. Two things. Prophets were established for the specific purpose of guiding Israel against Canaanite, Canaan's superstitious practices, and as well as those of her neighbors. So they would fulfill God's purpose. Now what was really God's purpose? Now we looked at that just a little bit about when be a holy nation and a royal priesthood. But let's actually go back to the very, very beginning to what God's purpose is. Genesis chapter 12. What is God's purpose for his people? This is actually called the Abrahamic Covenant, or I call it the Abrahamic Covenant. We'll have another covenant, and as we go through, we maybe end up with more. But in Genesis chapter 12, the time of Abraham, now the Lord had said, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation." And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So here we have the promise or the covenant with Abraham. I will make of thee a great nation. I'd say, we believe it was there physically, but I believe more today it's spiritually. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And more of that in verse 3 where it says, And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed by salvation through our Lord Jesus. I'm going to put in there. So that is the, what God wanted, was a people that was peculiar, that would serve him, that would be like him, that would do what he wanted. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I want you to remember that. God has a plan for Israel to be faithful. God has a plan for Israel to be faithful. Now, in that... Let's look at one more scripture in Deuteronomy, chapter 28. God wanted Israel to be faithful and serve Him. And He gave redemption through Jesus, and He also promised the prophets. But Moses, in his last speech, told the people, he said, in Deuteronomy 28, He told them, if you're going to listen, this is going to happen. If you don't, this will happen. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. That happened in David and Solomon. And all these blessings shall shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command his blessing upon thee in the storehouse and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. 
If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. If you're obedient. All these great things are going to happen to you. Verse 10, And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, and the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heavens to give the rains unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and they shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above all, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hast, if that thou hast hearkened unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left, or go after other gods to serve them. That's what God wanted. He drew a picture through Moses. I want you to follow me. I want you to be obedient. And you're not going to want anything. I want a people that are my treasure, that are my gold and silver, that are my diamonds, that shine to as a nation that serves God. And in verse 15 is the other side. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And we could go on to read all these curses that are going to happen. So we see the setting that God wanted Israel as his personal treasure, a kingdom of priests. And you know we think about that back there, but that's what God wants us today. And that's one thing as we look at the minor prophets, we want to see that God has something for those that are obedient, that serve Him, that follow Him. For obedience, blessing. For disobedience, cursing. Now how do the prophets fit in this picture? Is it starting to come just a little bit clear? It did for me. How do the prophets fit in this picture? Because you broke the covenant, the covenant curses come on you. God has warned you in Deuteronomy 28 to 30. Now it will happen. And I believe that these prophets, as they, these minor prophets, well, not just the minor, but all the prophets, as they came, you know, they prophesied, Israel, turn back to God. Israel, come back to God. Israel, God is waiting for you. You know, and they didn't just preach gloom and doom, but they also preached salvation. And we'll look at those nuggets of salvation as we go through the minor prophets. And we see the prophecy of Jesus coming. And we have in Isaiah, just coming through through Christmas, you know, we've, uh, we've seen some of those bright lights shining through the prophets. And uh, the prophecies coming through. But like Isaiah 12, uh, it says... And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. So we see the prophets encouraging people to come back to God. And that was their ministry. God put prophets in place so that they 
would come back to God so that they could establish that continual covenant to serve him. And Israel didn't do it. Time and again, they turned back to idols. They turned to the, turned to the Canaanites. They would turn to the witches. They turned to the necromancers. They would turn to all the sorts of wicked things just to look at the future. Some wrote a lot. They were called major prophets. Some wrote a little. They were called minor prophets. <clears throat> One thing that probably prompted me to study the minor prophets was that um, last fall, the uh, intermediate or at least uh, CLE literature Sunday school, the book was about seven of the minor prophets. And uh, got me to looking and thinking about that, having the opportunity to teach a few of those lessons about the minor prophets to see. So as we go through this series, um, some of the, the things that I share will come out of our Sunday school quarterly. So, boys, if some of those things sound familiar, there's reasons. Because we've talked about them before. Um, I'm going to read the introduction to the Minor Prophets, which came out of the Intermediate Sunday School Quarterly. In the front, it was talking about the Minor Prophets. And so uh, I thought it was very well, as we look at the context, that these men were ordained to serve God in the place where they were put. These were not some books just placed in there because they were leftovers. These were men that did what God asked them to. People are fascinating. Think of your friends. Each one, even identical twins, is different in some way. What a wonderful plan God had when he created human beings. How dreary life would be if people came only in various models as cars do. Think about that one. You will find the prophets we study this quarter to be fascinating. We call them the minor prophets. They were as important as Isaiah and the other men we call major prophets. The men we study in these lessons simply did not write as much. Their books are much shorter than, for example, Jeremiah's 52 chapters. Keep in mind that they were the messengers of God. That made them and their preaching very important. Apply this truth to your own life. As a Christian, you are just as important in God's sight as your bishop. You have different opportunities and responsibilities, but God needs and wants to use both of you. The writers were important and their messages were vital. You will observe that these books are not always easy to understand. This part of the Bible probably is the least familiar to us because much of the preaching of these prophets was to warn Israel and Judah of coming judgment. We tend to think there is little in these books which applies to our lives today. Dig into the minor prophets. Discover the many writings, warnings, which can also be applied to us individually and nationally today. Mind some of the other riches. Your life will be blessed by becoming more familiar with these fascinating men and their messages from a loving God. So we have their thought and stimulation of studying the minor prophets. This will become good and well-known with them, and they become our heroes, people that stood out. Already in just a little bit that I've studied some of these books, I admire these men for what they stood for. I put together um, 
five things that I believe are a basic same ingredient of these books. And uh, um, if you want to write these down and I go too fast, let me know. But the prophets contain much the same basic ingredient. I thought maybe I should print these out so that we can compare these as we go through the 12 books. But uh, I haven't done that yet. But they contain much the same ingredient. One, warning of impending judgment. Warning of impending judgment. Judgment coming. If you continue sinning, you're going to be judged. Number two, a description of the sin. It tells what they were doing wrong. A description of the sin. So they have a second ingredient that is common in much of these books. Number three, a description of the coming judgment. A description of the coming judgment. The third one that is uh, similar in these books. Number four, there's a call for repentance. There's a call for repentance. And number five, a promise of future deliverance. Number five, a promise of future deliverance. One, warning of impending judgment. Two, description of the sin. Three, description of the coming judgment. Four, a call for repentance. And five, a promise of future deliverance. I'm not sure that each one is strong in each one of those points, but as we look at each of these minor prophets, I think we'll find uh, much similar of those five ingredients. One you didn't get that you're writing down? You got number four? Okay. The other observation that I made, that these were common men that God used to preach His words, and they wrote it down. Who are some of the prophets we read about in the Bible that didn't write anything down? We don't have any books about it. Do you think about those? Someone come to your mind? Some name come to your mind? A name of a prophet that we don't have a book of? Enoch? Could be. There's a book in the Apocrypha about, of, of him, so I don't have that one. I've got six others anymore. Nathan, good one. Who was with Nathan? There's another prophet that's mentioned with Nathan at least once. To David. Gad. Second Samuel 24.11. Any others? What else comes to your mind? Elijah and Elisha. Very good. No books in about their names. Any others? Shemaiah, Edo, Ahijah, Oded. Few that I found. There may be probably very likely be more. Who was the king that was lately mentioned here that we think went wrong because he didn't have any prophets during his time? Do you remember? Who was the king of Israel that went wicked very likely because there were no prophets during his time? Solomon. I'm thinking I've found some, but I can't say that for sure. So I that uh, I, that we don't know for sure about that. But that could very well be. We need prophets to warn us about what is going to happen if we turn from God. So that fits very well in what we're trying to see the concept this morning that God sent prophets to turn and keep Israel toward God. 
David was a man after God's own heart, but there was Nathan to keep him right there too. And we don't read that Solomon had a Nathan. We need other people to keep us close to God. There's a very popular thought out today that it's just me and God and I'm going to live the ultimate of my convictions. When we actually need a brotherhood, we need prophets to draw us close to God. I wrote this down. We live in a world and among Christians with the attitude that I will live up to the limit of what I am allowed with little consideration for my brother. I believe that was part of the sin of of, uh, Israel during the time of the minor prophets. But uh, um, that is my feeling. You may differ if you please. Now, for the last challenge, what will you do for the people of God like the prophets? First one that we, that we uh, want to study is Hosea. What did Hosea do that was unique? What did God call and ask of him that was unique? I'm just going to pick on your memory. Marry a harlot. We'd kind of question that if the boys would have that in mind today, wouldn't we? He was called of God to do that. And God used it as a sign to his people, and we'll hopefully look at that next. But I'm challenged that Hosea knew God's law and word and revelation to the point that he did something like that. I think he I think he did it with a lot of counsel. I think we'd agree to that, wouldn't we, men? Mothers? When God calls you like Hosea to do something like that, I think you need to get a lot, a lot of counsel and then to listen to the counsel. When you read Hosea, look and see if there's if it's there. I, I didn't see it, but I I uh, but come back to the point I was making. What will you do for the people of God like the prophets? What did Jonah do? Went to Nineveh to preach to a godless nation. This wasn't an Israelite nation. The book of Jonah is actually first that happened probably. The Ninevites were godless people and Jonah went and preached to them. We have other things about these prophets, but I'll let you fill in the blanks of what will you do for the people of God like these prophets did. God asked a lot of them. Now, for our theme verse, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. These are the verses that we'd like to repeat as we look through this series and uh, as we consider these thoughts and as we keep this message in mind of why God put the minor prophets here. And what I want you to remember is that these prophets were ordained of God. Okay, For me, it was a change of thought. I thought the prophets were just books, were just put in there because they fit. But these prophets had a divine ordination from God to be where they were and to preach what they did. And here in 2 Timothy 3, there's a few verses that I believe want to summarize a little bit what we want to learn from this series of the minor prophets. Let's read together verse 15, 16, and 17. Ready? 
And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works." So as we approach these prophets and these books, we're going to see that these books are profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Now some of those things we don't really care for, do we? Especially the reproof part. That means we've got to change our mind. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. Personally, I look forward to what the Lord has for us. It's in faith that uh, I start a series like this. And uh, I thought, when I come to this, I thought maybe we should have a summary of the 12 and then go through the 12. But we don't have that summary yet, do we? We'll have that at the end. We'll have that at the end. And as I mentioned before, I'd like to have your participation... Next, we'll be studying Hosea. And if you have time, read the book of Hosea. And if you have questions about it, write them down, bring them to me. And uh, if you have an inspiration, if you want to read all 12 books this week and then again next week and the following and be really familiar with it, I'm sure the Lord has a blessing for you. I'm challenged by our Jewish brethren that committed all these to memory. We could have them come here and recite these by memory. So... uh, Let's keep these theme verses in mind, that they're profitable for instruction, for correction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's kneel for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy scriptures. And Lord, forgive us for the times that we've looked at them and passed over them, thought that they weren't important, that they're actually something that was just put in there for us to read. Lord, we pray. That as we look into these minor prophets and the pertinent message that they had for their time, we ask, Lord, that you would give us a message for today. We go in faith knowing that you're going to teach us something, that you're going to challenge us, that you're going to show us where we need correction and where we need reproof, that you're going to show us where we need to be more perfect, more like you. And Lord, we just pray on the going into this that you would make us sensitive to that. And Lord, if you show us something that we would be willing to walk closer to you, to make that correction, to make that change, to realize, Lord, that you haven't taught us everything that we know already, but that you want to continue to teach us, that you want to continue to give us wisdom and understanding, even as you told the children of Israel, as you were giving to them prophets. Lord, we pray that your spirit would not hinder this work. We pray, Father, that you would help us to remember what we learned this morning in this service. That you would not let Satan take it away this afternoon, tomorrow, or in the coming weeks. But that we could meditate and remember and to grow by what you have given us to feed on this morning. And so, Lord, we pray also for those that are not here with us. We ask that you would bless them. Those that normally worship here, we ask that you would be with them. Give them your strength, your courage, your faithfulness and the privilege of being faithful through temptation. And so, Lord, we ask for your special presence and guidance that today we could be your special treasure. 
We could be your holy nation called out to serve you. Not because of who we are, because of your love and the great God that you have are, and that you want us to be in heaven with you someday. Help us to be ready for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.